Um, maybe on their EA Sports team, uh, the eSports team. Well, thankfully you haven't seen the rest of the studio because that's where all the money's being spent, right? It's just uh, glad that, you know, we didn't take another three months off in between episodes. Welcome to Rogue Bogues Basketball Series, back for another week. A lot going on, not only in the NBA, but the NBL, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, we'll go through an Eastern Conference preview. Pro's actually done his homework this week for Fact or Fake News, so look forward to getting into it. Pro, what's news over there? Not much, Bogues. Just uh, glad that you know we didn't take another three months off in between episodes, so I'm pretty glad about that. Still, still young. We're two episodes in on the video. We might take a break next week. We'll see how we go. Um, there's a lot of production that goes into this. A lot of hard work at my end. You just have to show up with your little Rondo locker room tag and and press record. We got to do a lot of the hard yards over at this end, mate. So, yeah. I mean, for all that fucking construction you did, I was expecting like a you know a, an eight million dollar fucking room over there. It looks like a fucking you know a substitute teacher's office over there with that fucking whiteboard. I was expecting like. Joe Rogan times two over there. Oh, we're, get, we're getting there, man. I'm a little underwhelmed we, we, by we can, it. We can decorate the room. Um, they're actually sound panels, pro. Remember the old producer was trying to get you to put some insulation in your room for the Echo? That's what they do. These these good things here stop that, as you can see, people. And we can actually put some decorations on them. So maybe we'll get another a rondo plaque like yours and put it behind my head. Um, get your wife to decorate your room, man. Get your wife to decorate that room a little bit better. Um, in, in, Why don't you start spending some money? You spend money like Donald Sterling used to spend money when he was a Clipper owner. <laughs> well, thankfully you haven't seen the rest of the studio because that's where all the money's been spent right, right behind yeah, us off camera. Um, but let's get into it. A uh, few news items. So pro James Harden will be professional. Uh, he's he's going to be professional and he's going to show up and do what he has to do on, until he's until he's moved on. Uh, He's not going to wear the fat suit this time in warm-ups, I don't think, um, which is what some people allege he did in Houston. <laughs> and I think he did, considering how much in shape he was once he got traded. But I think it's a smart move. And I think he had to do it. Um, you don't want to get Carmelo Anthony, right? I mean, he's still not not at that phase of his career, but he almost is. You don't want to get that tab where you, you, know, you don't want to play a role or, you know, be, be kind of that pass on that superstar mantle. Um and I'm not sure if you saw Stephen A. Smith's comments about about Houston uh, that he that he had an interview with Ime Udoka um, during was it free agency or something like that, and he he led with something along the lines of yeah I, I want to lead the league in scoring again. <laughs> that was his that was his messaging with Ime, and they kind of like yeah we're, we're going to go in a different direction. Actually, we're not going to we're not going to trade for you and give you an extension. So, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I think with the Harden deal. <clears throat> First off, he's got very little to no trade value. He, as far as what he's making versus, you know, what teams are really doing to try to get him. I think right now, I mean, from what you're looking at and what we're all looking at, you know, the Clippers are the only team that really is semi-interested and that thing cooled off pretty easily. You know, there's not really a lot of value. You can't get a lot of value back for him. So, I mean, you know, if this was five years ago and he was pulling this stunt four years ago, then he could probably pull it, you know, not play, not show up. But right now, his value is at an all-time low, you know, as far as what teams are really offering to get. So I think it's smart for him to, to just compete through training camp. You never know, Bogues. A lot of the sometimes this stuff is hot to trot with these trades and then it cools down. You might fi He might find himself in a, in a Philadelphia jersey all year. So you might as well just, you know, get going. Maybe you can get some buzz and, and get traded like you want, but – you know, right now I think, look, the Philly needs him, even though they, they picked up, 
you know, Cal Ubre and, you know, recently, but they need him. They need him in that lineup. They don't really have a lot of punch besides, you know, Embiid, Tobias Harris, you know, and, and a couple other players. Like they don't really have Maxi, you know, they don't really have a lot of talent, you know, outside of a couple of players. So they both need each other. Unless you're going to get that Norman Powell and a couple other players out of the Clippers, but I just don't think there's really a lot of value for him right now out there. So I think it's good for him to to sort of move forward with this. Yeah, and I, I mean, I like your point. I think it, I think there's every every chance that he does stick, and it's the Kawhi Leonard Toronto kind of all over again. Like, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna play it out, and you know, Philly start, you know, eighteen and three or eighteen and four. Like, maybe he says. You know what? I got a chance for a championship. I can go out the door that way. You know, I know he doesn't get along with Maury, um, but I mean, MJ didn't get along with Kraus. You know, the, the superstars that don't get along with their GMs—that's just how it is. Now that is MJ. It's obviously a, a huge stretch. But um, on the but flip this is side, new though, folks. Like those guys are best. Of, those guys yeah, are on great terms through the, the divorce, right? Years and early, mm. and early Philly. You know, the other thing is like I discussed this with a friend of mine. I had a debate, and he was like, you know. So this team should trade for James or that team. And I said, like, I think James is almost in the period of his career where he just needs to come off the bench and be a six man on a good team. And he could take them over the top. But my, 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 my friend was like, there's no chance he'd do that. There's no chance. And I, and I agree. I, I don't, I don't think he's ready for that, but I think it's coming to that time. Like he's a really bad defender, but he's an elite scorer still, but it's a net loss on the defensive end. If you are one of these teams that's pushing for a championship in the future, you know, you bring him in as a six man, let him play twenty to thirty, depending on how he's going. Do you see him buying into that role in the near future, or you still think he's so hard headed on on the James Harden of all of old? I need to play forty five minutes and and get up every shot. I think if you're talking about players that were elite, top five, six players in the league at one time, downshifting for those guys, the you know the Carmelo Anthony's, the Kobe Bryant's, when they get up in age, they don't really take to that role very well. Um, a Harrison Barnes, who was uh, you know a top two, top three player on teams most of his career, that started downshifting a little bit in, in Sacramento and things. It's easier for those players, and it's got nothing to do with how good you are or whatnot. But it's a little bit easier, you know, players like that and that to downshift a little bit because a they've been coachable their whole lives, and b they just sort of get where they're at in the league. I think it's easier for players. I don't think it's very easy for a guy like James, who's been a number one option basically since what year three in the league up to this point. And I think that I don't think he's going to take that type of role. Um, I think you have to be forced into it like Carmelo, where there's no, no one that really wants to pick you up. Look, and I, and I just think it's, it's really tough for him. I think, you know, look, they're delusional as it is most NBA players, especially players that were at that tier. So I think it's, I think it's something that's, that he's not, not really willing to do. Guys like us that study the game and, and, and sort of look at it from that end of things, I think it's easy for us to say, yeah, he should do that. But you know how players are, especially high-end players. I think it's really hard for him to take that role, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think he's at least a year or two away from even coming to that realization. But I think he could just be such a valuable piece, especially later in his career, that you know beyond this free agency i just I, I don't think he'll do it i think you're right i think it's very hard for him to be coming to a team to play a role but there's not many teams out there that are going to want to a trade for him or b sign him in free agency and say yep you're a high usage 40 minute guy at this point in his career i just there's, there's a there's a probably 
a handful of teams that would be willing to do that, if that. And then some of those teams are young and rebuilding. So it's like, do you want to bring something like that in the fold? You know, talking about OKC or, you know, a team like that that's very, very young, Utah that's got a lot of assets, could use a guy like that off the bench to come in and provide some scoring and maybe put him into a playoff berth or whatever. But I just, I think you're right. I think it's going to be very hard for him to buy in, but I'd like to see it, but I don't think it happens. Uh, Joel Embiid, the the FIBA International Draft Lottery uh, decision has been made. He's, he's playing for Team USA. Uh, as, a, as a guy that played international basketball, I hate this process. I think it's... I think it's wrong. Um, I, I just don't like the fact that you're, you're almost being recruited by a country to play, right? Like yeah. I think it, I think it sets yeah. a bad precedent. I don't. I, I, it, the rules are the rules. You can have, a, you know, um, even country, other countries that then do this with with US players. That like there's been you know players that go and play in parts of Russia and then they're naturalized within six months, right? Like I, I think that's wrong. Mm. I think you you know first and foremost it should be where you're born. Now there's situations like Kyrie Irving that were born in Australia, you know, was here for six months and then as a six-month-old moved back to the US, different circumstances, right? But I think your birthplace should take precedent. And then if you have a legitimate argument like Kyrie, that's a that's a pretty simple one to decide. Like, yeah, he went through, you know, elementary school, primary school, high school, all in the US, makes sense, US citizen, all that kind of stuff. But this one uh, for MB, I know he was in the US later later in his in his life um, in high school and whatnot. I, I just hate the recruiting process, bro. I don't know how you feel about it as an American. Um, you already have the, you know, a, a wide array of talent you can choose from. It would have yeah. been nice to see him on France, but uh, it is what it is, right? Yeah, I, I think it's, a, for me, I, when it comes to international competition, I'm all for birth, you know, where you were born. There, Like you said, the Kyrie situation comes up. Um, I'm not even sure about Giannis, how long he spent, you know, how long he spent in Nigeria before he went to Greece. But there are certain circumstances where you're like, okay, special circumstance, let's do it. I, I think with your, with the international FIBA Olympic, I think it should just go with with your birth country nine times out of ten, and then certain circumstances. And I think you should limit those cer- certain circumstances for every country. Yeah, you know, I think that like if you have a Kyrie situation, that should only be one per you know one per team. So Which I think they have. Say I think they have a certain US- rule. They have a certain rule around that. Like you can't just go and naturalize. You know, if you're Moldova or Venezuela and naturalize yeah. ten Americans, they have a rule for that. I think it's yeah. I think it's one or two per period or whatever it is. Yeah, I agree. It's, I, I don't like the recruiting aspect. I think Olympic competition, your Euro basket world championships, that's sort of a special deal. And I think that's, you know, I, it's great to see players that were born in that country play and represent that. Um, it's sort of like seeing Hakeem Olajuwon on team USA, you know, things like that. Tim Duncan, eh, you know, I get it. You play in the NBA, you're around, you're American, but like, I, I think that country you're born in is probably the bit way to go. I agree. I agree. They will be stacked at Team USA, looking like they're putting together, you know, Steph, LeBron, um, Embiid now. So they're, they're trying to put together a squad to obviously reclaim a podium finish for them in the uh, in the next Olympics, which will most likely happen with the squad they're putting together. Uh, a little bit of a funny one. So games in the UAE, United Arab Emirates uh, right now, some preseason friendlies. I saw a question was was asked to, to, to Tatum, um, the assistant VP or the assistant commissioner, whatever you want to call it, and um, something along the lines of, you know, how do you feel about holding games in a place like the UAE with, with, with you know, human rights abuses and all that kind of stuff? And um, the question was interesting. He, he said, look, we 
as the NBA, we uh, we travel the way we travel with the same ideals and the same way of life as we do in America when we go overseas and we try to, in, you know, bring our culture that way and we don't change it for, for other countries. And he, he noted the reason – the reason why it's a good thing is because we have a female referee. Um, so that was that was the reasoning pro why why it's a good thing to have the games in the UAE because it'll show people in that in that nation and that region of the world that uh, females are allowed on a basketball court. But I just I just found that as the reason was was somewhat comical. <laughs> I just thought like that's that's your answer. Like hey, we have a female official. We're, we're, we're going to break barriers when they see uh, a lady with a whistle, but. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously referring to the fact that you know, in a lot of those regions in the Middle East, that you know, some people don't, some some countries don't even allow female spectators at sporting events. So, um, but I don't think it's going to change a lot. Pro, I don't think there's uh, people in the in the UAE that are going to see that and say, "Oh, is that a is that a female referee?" Let's our whole ideals and everything need to go out the window. <laughs> the NBA's got it right, you know. Bogs, when it comes to things like this, China, you know, all the all the dealing. Just say no comment. That's <laughs> it. Because any answer you give is wrong. You just, it's, it's like, yeah, you're not, it, it, you're going to look like you're covering. There's no good answer. Just well, the say good answer is this. We no just want to bring basketball to the world. We, we change regions for every preseason and, you know, there's different cultures that have different beliefs. We're getting Dude, on with life. We're here to play that, basketball. You just don't, yeah, you don't sound good when you're saying any type of a defense or it's just weak. It comes off as weak. Just, just say whatever. However you stand on each, either side of this sort of argument or this this issue, just I think just take the middle road and just say something vanilla, get through it, and then on to the next question. I think that's the the because you don't sound you don't sound too good when you make giving answers like that. I agree. I agree. It was better off just to say nothing at all. But I just thought it was a funny one to to reference a female referee. Anyway. Eastern Conference previews, pro. We uh, threw you a little curveball, much to your disdain. We're, we're going to go from we're going to start with Team Fifteen and go up to who's going to finish one, which Pro was abusing me for via text message, saying, "Well, why don't we just do them in alphabetical order then?" <laughs> so, so we're going to get to that, Pro. But I'll let you go first. Who do you have at Fifteen? No, why don't we do this, folks? Why don't we do this? You know, I know you get your setup over there with your computer screen, and you look like a you look like an overpaid fucking Uber driver that's driving a fucking Tesla with that big ass screen in front of you with the fucking headphones on. So why don't we just do it as as just straightforward as possible? Why don't you give me your rankings, and then we'll talk about your team this way. This way, we just sort of have a lot of order. Just like I said in the text message when we were talking, like. What if you have a certain team ranked and I have a certain team ranked and then it just, so why don't we just go with your rankings and then we'll talk about the team. Cause I don't give a fuck how you rank them or how All I right. rank them. That's I fine. think the best way to just talk about the so team. So I'll go through my, my 15 mm-hmm. and then you go through yeah. yours straight away. And then we'll get into the nitty gritty after that. How about that? Just or just, talk, no, just, yeah, just, just say, Hey, here's what I get for 15. We'll talk about the team and then we'll go up from there and I'll just, and we'll go from there. I think that's the best way to do well, it. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to hear yours first before let's, let's just go through them 15 to one and then you go through 15 oh, to sure. one go and ahead. then we'll, and then we'll dig you in. All right, so 15, I got Washington, 14, I got Detroit, 13, I got Charlotte, 12th, Chicago, 11th, Toronto, 10th, Orlando, nine, Brooklyn, eight, Indiana, seven, the Knicks, six, Atlanta, Five Miami, four Philly, three Cleveland, two Milwaukee, one Boston. What do you got, bro? 
Not bad, folks. Not bad at all. I took a few flyers, but we'll get into that shortly after we hear your after we hear the guru's fifteen. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know about the guru, but we'll 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 see what we got. All right. So what I have is fifteen Charlotte, fourteen Washington, thirteen Detroit, twelve Chicago, eleven Toronto, ten Indiana, nine. Brooklyn, eight Orlando, seven Atlanta, six Miami, five New York, four Cleveland, three Philly, two Boston, and Milwaukee at one. Pretty similar. Flipped a few, but yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, let's get into it. All right, we'll start with. Let's start with my. I'll just start with one. All right, Your Boston. Ranking. I'm gonna go with Boston. So you got them two. I got them one. Uh, I think a well-balanced, pretty deep roster. Um, I think they can sustain an injury too, except the center spot. <laughs> I think that's the one we've spoken about with Porzingis. That's a vital one for them. I mean, they got Horford. They can they can flip into some minutes, but I think that's the one they need to keep um, healthy the most. I think Tate and Brown, one out of the lineup, one in with Drew Holiday now and White. I think they can sustain one of their wings getting hurt for a period of time during the season with injuries. Uh, I'd like to see some Jalen Brown growth again. Um, didn't start off too well today, Pro. I don't know if you saw the preseason game, but uh, he had his shorts on backwards for the game, <laughs> as noted by our good friend Brian Scalabrini. He's like, are his shorts backwards? They were. So not a great start for Jalen Brown. Hopefully he gets, his, gets that right, but it is preseason, so a lot of guys sleepwalk through that shit. But um, their defense, look, I think um, we spoke about Tatum taking that next step and becoming at least an average defender. I think he did that last season. I think he became at least an average defender. He needs to take another step defensively. Jalen Brown has been pretty solid defensively. Porzingis can then at least manage the rim for him. Um, Joe Mazzulla is the, the outlier, right? It's, 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 can he get him over the line? You know, an inexperienced NBA coach still uh, with the whole fallout of Ime Doka came into that, that, that coaching spot. He's he's probably the the inexperienced part of their roster, pro in my, in my eyes. But I've I've got them at one still. Um, but but what are your thoughts on Boston? You had them at two, of course. Yeah, I mean, obviously, w- with what they added with Holiday and Porzingis is, is great. You know, it's a great addition, and their starting five is as good as any in the league, if not probably the best starting five in basketball. I, I think that where they come up a little short is obviously their bench, their second unit. You know, Derek White. You know, let's talk about the the starting unit. They got a real point guard in there. You know, Holiday. You know, good, great on defense. You know, could set everybody up. You know, obviously, you know, could make shots. Could just sort of, you know, keep everything calm. You know, Tatum needs, like you said, Tatum needs to take that next step on the defensive level. I, I, I spent about three or four hours last week watching Tatum on both ends of the ball, and you know, defensively, he has all the tools to become a good defender. Uh, not an elite defender, but a very good defender. And I just think he needs to understand the importance of playing both ends of the floor, you know, because he's so elite on the offensive end, the defensive end. He just needs to add that. I really like Porzingis. I don't think he's a great shooter. I think he's a good one, but he he gives them some offensive firepower on you know on on the elbow iso, on posting them up, on you know on pops and drives and things like that. I worry about him staying healthy. I'm sure they're going to rest him a certain amount of time. Uh, the injury thing I do worry about with him and Horford. Horford with age, even though you know, he played okay last year and he's been, you know, pretty good with the, you know, staying out of the injury bug. I do worry about Porzingis. He really hasn't played, you know, 
a full season, you know, until his first couple of years in the league. He's had some issues almost every year. He's been in the league since. Um, second unit, you know, Derek White, you know, Brissett they pick up, you know, Sam Hauser's okay. I think that second unit they're going to have some issues with. They're going to have to sort of mismatch the lineups, you know, play guys a little longer out of starting rotation and just keep some starters in the floor almost at all times because that second unit's not very good. Derek White, Pritchard, um, Brissett, that's where they're going to have, I think, some a little bit of their drought shooting off the bench. Um, but that starting five is so good. But I think they, they're they going to be an elite team. If they're not going to be the best team, they'll be the second best team um, unless an injury bug hits. But uh, it'll be good. And Missoula, look, he's going to get better as – you know, I, I think it's good for guys to get punched in the mouth as much as possible early on. Last year, he took his hits. I think this year, I think the biggest thing for him is letting things in the media, you know, as far as what he says and how he comes across. I think he's got to let a, a lot of things just roll off his back and be like, all right, and let things go. I think he's very combative in things, and it just shows a little immaturity at times, and that and especially when you're going through some losing streaks, it could be a, a big distraction going forward. I just think that, you know, let some things go. He's a very good coach. He's going to be a better coach in time. But I think he, he has to just sort of grow up with this process. Um, but I think they're going to be a very good team. I just think that second unit's a little bit bare. But look, besides Sam Presti, I think Stevens has been the best GM in the league. They've got multiple first-round picks. they got a lot of second-round picks. They can deal at, at the trade deadline to try to upgrade that team. There's going to be a lot of disgruntled veterans. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be on the move and, and all-star, you know, at trade and deadline. It doesn't have to be an elite player, but I definitely think they could, you know, soup up that second unit with trade pick swaps or first-round picks in the future to go forward with it. Well, today they started – that interesting starting lineup today, they started Derek White, uh, Tatum, Brown – Horford at the center spot and Porzingis at the four. I, I don't think that's the long-term solution. I, I think that you got to move Porzingis to the center spot to then move Brown to the four. The four spot's the problem from this team. They don't really have a, a solid four man, um, but Brown's more of a three, can play some four. Horford. What would you do? You know, would you play, who who is your who is your four? So you're, you're Brown at four. Um, so who did they start today? The so who didn't they start? Drew Holiday came off the bench. It was Derek White at the point. Oh, okay. uh, Tatum, Brown, Horford, Porzingis. So obviously Drew's going to start. I like White off the bench yeah. anyway. I think he provides a nice punch off him. So you go, the three guards are pretty much set, but I um, mean, in, in Tatum, Brown, and uh, Holiday. Problem is, what do you do at the four spot? Uh, I don't think Horford, Porzingis playing together for long stretches is a solution. That's that's probably what they're looking at as well. So I would move Porzingis to the five and maybe Brown at the four and start games that way. I think and they'll Horford off the bench. have Horford off the bench. He can come in for him. You can come in for Brown if you have to for a little bit of our trouble, but the, the, you're right. They're, they're bench depth beyond that. Uh, so, you know, Horf, you know, Horford gets in foul trouble with Porzingis. It's like, who are you going to at your 4-5? You're relying a lot on Luke Cornett, who's still a bit, you know, hasn't played a lot of minutes in the NBA of his career, and you're relying a lot on him. He played played big minutes. No, he played 12 and a half minutes in the preseason, but you're, you're relying on guys that haven't been there. You know what you could do then, Bogues? Why not? I would, I would put maybe Hauser in your starting lineup. You know, go small, put Hauser in your starting lineup, keep White off the bench, put Hauser, even though he's a he's a little bit of a mismatch defensively, but he's a shooter, he's got size and he's a shooter, put him at two. Then you get Brown, you know, Brown and Tatum play the three, the four, uh, Tatum Brown plays three, four, Porzingis mm. at five. Now you slide Horford into that second, like you said, that second unit, because that's, that's, 
Gabriel and Cornette really aren't the answer at the backup center. And if you have Horford, you know, you, you got Horford, and especially when those nights that Porzingis is banged up, maybe you bring him off the bench and you start Horford. But I think, start, like you said, starting Porzingis, rim protector, you know, and then you go smaller, you just put that shooter to give them shooting to surround, just surround doesn't need the ball either. lineup with shooting. Yeah, he doesn't need the ball. So it's another guy that you can just, he's playing a role. He's a three and D guy, really, um, next to those ball handlers. But yeah, I, I don't like I don't like the two big starting, especially with some of the teams that you're going to play that play uber small. But uh that's Boston one. All right, Milwaukee. I got I got two. They're they're your one. Uh, last year's number one seed. They added more offense and lost some defense. We spoke about it last week. Uh, I think they'll be a very good regular season team. And could I even had in my notes could even push Boston for the one. Um, I think this. I think it's very very dicey there. But my dislikes are the same as 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 Boston. It's the depth. It's it's Milwaukee had the same issue. Um, Notable acquisitions are. So with the acquisitions in this, I'm, I'm doing guys that they've acquired and also guys that haven't played or were on the roster late, right? So a notable one, obviously Dan Lillard, Robin Lopez has come back. Uh, uh, Jay Crowder, you know, he's almost like an acquisition because he was <laughs> he was rendered DNP CD the whole season last year. And I think they could have used him. So he'll be in the rotation and they can use him. They can use some of his his, um, his 3 and D type stuff. He's a good hustle guy. He's physical, can guard kind of their best wings. So... But yeah, they've they've got a depth issue as well. Once you go, you know, their top seven is really good, and then there's a little bit of a fall off with some younger guys. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're top two with Giannis and Lillard, and um, biggest problem here is keeping Middleton healthy. Um, you know, look, Lillard's been banged up the last couple of years. You know, Giannis has been banged up this summer. Um, you know. I think Middleton keeping him healthy last year was very unproductive compared to what he did in the past. You know, 15 and 15, four and four. He needs to show a little bit more. Now, you know, I've got that starting lineup of Lillard, Beasley, Middleton, Giannis, and and Lopez. And look, Lopez, elite rim protector. You got Lillard and Giannis. That's going to be good. I think Malik Beasley is going to give, you know, gives them. He's been inconsistent throughout his career, but he could score a little bit. The second unit got a little bit better. Um, late in the free agency when they picked up Cameron Payne the last couple of weeks. I, I think they're still a little bit weak. You know, Connaughton had one of his worst shooting years in his career last year. They need they need to be able to make shots off the bench. Their best bench player is Bobby Portis. You know, 14 to 9, he brings it every night. He's tough. Uh, you know, Robin Lopez, I really enjoy. I think he's a good, you know, backup center that can give you eight to ten minutes a night. Uh, but keeping those guys consistently healthy, you know, because Look, with Giannis, he's such a high usage, high athletic, always, you know, full speed. Physical. Once yep. you start getting little injuries here and there, it can expand for him. So they got to be able to, you know, play the whole rest thing and be able to keep these guys healthy throughout the year. But the Middleton deal is going to be the biggest problem for them, keeping them healthy. Um, I think their bench is a little bit better than Boston's, especially with campaign. Um, I do like him. Uh, Bucamp, the, the the second year player, um, average thirteen minutes a game. He's going to play a little bit more. I do like them. I think they're a little bit deeper than Boston. Um, their star power, I think, is a little bit better with their top two versus Boston's top two. They just got to keep everybody healthy, and I think if they can do that, they're going to they're going to be you know really a, a real tough out in the East this year. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, it's a coin flip with where that all goes. Uh, a lot's going to rely on the health of, of Giannis and just the way he plays is he's going to get a little ding every now and then or an ankle or a knee just you know he goes full speed with that euro but uh those two will be in the mix for the uh for the top 
the top spot in in the East, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they play. I mean, they they definitely have acquired more offense, and they were they were pretty decent last season, and they got better in that in that fact. And also, uh, to your point, I think Middleton's the outlier in all this. Middle, Middleton's that piece. He's not the best player on the team, but he's that piece that makes this all work. If he has a bad year, you don't think that I, I don't think they go deep. Um, he needs to have a solid year, and not only at the offensive end, the defensive end. Like I said last week, you've lost. You know, a very good defensive elite, top five defensive elite guard in Holiday. You're replacing that now with Dame, who's not a great defensive player. Middleton's probably going to get that assignment now. You know, maybe Connaughton um, as your as your defending wings. So, we'll watch that space three. I had Cleveland. Who'd you have at three? Uh, who did I have at three? Bogues. I believe I had Cleveland. Hold on a second. Standings. Boom. I've got Philly at three. Yeah, Philly at three. I had Cleveland. Um, I think they take a jump. Okay. I think they have continuity in their roster, and I think they'll further grow. I think I think there's an underrated aspect in the NBA of, of keeping guys together, you know, and I think that they've kept their core and their young core is young and experienced the last couple of seasons, obviously bringing in Donovan Mitchell. I think they'll flourish with another year together, um, and they brought in some, some, some good, solid role guys. Damian Jones back up big, Strauss. From uh, from Miami and Georges and Yang, so I like those guys as role players who won't come in and cause problems. They'll play their role well. Um, you know, dislikes for them are just they're just young and inexperienced. They haven't been battle tested in long playoff series and conference finals yet to, to to probably warrant a three. But I think in the regular season they'll flourish. Do they? Do they? Do they be? Do they get deep into a playoff run at the three? The jury's out for me. But I think in a regular season they should still enough wins to be to be up there in the East. That's kind of. My thinking on them, what do you got on them? Yeah, they're really good bugs, obviously. You know, Donovan Mitchell and Mobley and Jared Allen. And, you know, uh, they brought in some decent players like you talked about. Um, I don't know. I, you know, just here is the thing I don't like to do, but I'm probably going to do it right now. Um, I don't like to say, well, you know, what a player's thinking about because I don't, who knows, right? But does Donovan Mitchell start getting a little bit antsy about getting out of there? You know, does he want to stay? Does he not want to stay? You hear some rumblings here and there. You know, is that going to become a little bit of a distraction? I'm not a huge Darius Garland fan at the point, but he, you know, he gives you, he gives you, he's always on the attack and he could score and he's not bad. I like the Struce acquisition off the bench. Levert's good. Um, you know, do they have enough at the small forward spot? Seti Oseman's okay. He's been solid. You know, Isaac Okoro's okay. But do you have that, you know, small forward that could really take you to the next level? And the Donovan Mitchell has to step up in playoff time. And, and look, it's early. Obviously, we're not even started the year yet. But you know, he's got to step up more in the playoffs and become that go-to guy that could really, you know, score in the 30s a game and really carry it. Hasn't really shown that in his playoff career. He, he was very good last year at 28, four and four. I, I thought he was underwhelming playoff wise. Um, you know, Damian Jones is okay. George's Yang, okay. They got some solid players. Jared Allen's got to stay healthy throughout the year. I think he can well, really help them. He got hurt um, already at camp, apparently. Yeah, so he's, he's off a couple of weeks. Right. So. And then and then the same thing. We do celebrate last year a little bit the way they play, the, the way they play two bigs wise. And we're talking about, you know, Boston, how we don't like it for them, but it did work for them with Mobley and Allen, you know, playing together. Um, rebounding, shot blocking, running the floor activity. So it'll be interesting. I like their bench. I think their bench is good. Struess gives you shot, you know, shot making. Levert could really score. You know, Yang and Okoro are just solid. Uh, I think they, you know, I think they're, I like where they're at. JB Bickerstaff's a very good coach. Um, he really has done a great job for them last year. So um, 
I like them. I, I, I just don't know exactly where they're going to go, but I do think they could, you know, they, they could withstand some things. I just think some people got to really step up. I think o- Osmond's got to really, you know, step his game up. And I think Mitchell, again, once we get in the postseason, he's got to get to another level. Yeah, I agree. They're tough. They're tough to, to pencil in exactly where, but I just had them at three. I had Philly at four, so we flipped on those two. You had them at three. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, they'll be in the mix for a top four spot um, just with last season's MVP, and they should get something back for a disgruntled Harden that should hopefully help them. Um, I, I, you know, it'll be a, probably won't be a superstar, obviously, like you said at the start of the start of the podcast. But you know, the dislike is if Harden does go and they don't get much back, they haven't surrounded Embiid with a lot. Um, when they bet on Harden so heavily, that's kind of you know been the outlier. And who, who would have known that that relationship between Daryl Morey and, and and James would have went that way? But it but it has. Um, you know, obviously at the start we said that uh, maybe maybe James does stay if they start off well. But notable acquisitions for them: Patrick Beverly, your guy Mo Bamba. Uh, he's in he's in the lineup. Uh, Danny Green healthy, which is kind of a notable acquisition if you can get just to to be in a fifteen minute role guy for them and Kelly Oubre Jr. So I think they have a, a pretty you know, they, they did some quiet work in the offseason and they're pretty notable guys that can help them as far as role players um, if James is there. I think these 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 role players are very important if James is there. Take James out, then all of a sudden you need more from Pat Bev offensively. You need more from Danny Green coming off coming off injury. You need more from Kelly Oubre, right? So if James is there with those acquisitions, I think they're very good acquisitions. It'll just be a matter of time to see whether, whether he sticks. And we probably... I don't know. I, th- I don't think he sticks because I think James is kind of, you know, when he has his mindset on leaving somewhere, he's leaving. I don't think they'll be able to pull the quiet Leonard card that, that Toronto did with um, with him when he won that championship. We'll keep in you, and that's it. But I'd like to see him stay and just see how 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 it goes with this roster. But they'll be they'll be in the mix for top four. I have them at four at the moment. Yeah, they're they're a tough sort of read. You know, where are they going to be? Does Embiid become disgruntled? Does you know, Harden, how how long that goes. I, I mean, we obviously know the the stories that they're just the fucking boring to talk about. To be honest with you, I, I do like. You know, look, I do like Harden and Maxi in the same lineup. Two ball handlers, two guys who can make plays, two guys who can really score. You know, PJ Tucker is what he is. He's old. He's you know never really scores. He's not really a threat that way. But he's a that tough guy, that defender. Um, Tobias Harris has been up and down. I do like Kelly Oubre coming off the bench could give him a really big spark scoring. He averaged like 20 and five last year. Um, the James Harden thing, look, he's got very little to no value because of the fact that he makes $35 million a year. And we, we look at this all the time about him, his relationship with Morey. Look, you know, I don't trust either one of those two. I think they're both liars. They're never going to tell you the truth. If they told me today was fucking Sunday in America, I'd probably go home and check a calendar anyway. But like to me, I think that, look, he signed a contract regardless. He, he opted in. He signed that one-year deal, $35 million. He's got to live up to it. it. You know, Obviously, he's not. He's probably going to become you know, more disgruntled as the days go on um, with this little you know, fucking mirage of you know, going through training camp. I do think that he's a good fit in their starting lineup. He, most of these teams are going to go young or they don't want a guy like that that's going to be a distraction. The Clippers really like him if they can work out a deal where they could bring in Norman Powell and Terrence Mann. I think those two guys would really help, you know, surround Embiid with not as good at individually talented players like a Harden, but two really good players sort of collectively that could take them over the hump, you know, and really challenge for the East. But with this roster the way it is right now, 
look, I think it's good. It's solid. You got two guards that are really tough to stop. Tobias Harris could really score and give you some things. Obviously, we know Joel Embiid could give you, you know, the second unit with Oubre. You know, Beverly gives you a little bit of toughness. He could guard. Uh, Oubre could give you really good scoring. House is just okay. You know, Harrell and Paul Reed are just, eh, they're just decent. Um, their second unit's okay, but I, I do like the Oubre. You know, they picked up Oubre for nothing like last week or the last 10 days. But I think that they got to figure out what are you going to do long term. There's a lot of there's a lot of bark and a very little bite with these things sometimes at Harden, especially it's not like a Leonard where there was a million teams wanting him. I think if you really polled GMs and you talk to them, I think there's about five teams that that could really even think about it. Probably only one or two, you know, realistically, because again, you're a team that you can't. There's no one that's going to absorb his 35 million, you know, and just take them right. Philly's not going to take draft picks. Moray doesn't develop players. He wants guys that could help him today. And there's really nobody out there that's going to take Harden, you know, it, you know, on their present roster and accept the fact that there's not going to be any any bullshit things that go on. I think the Clippers need it. They need a, they need somebody to take them over the hump. I think it's going to end up being LA if anything. Um or they're just going to say, you know, Style, hey, look, let's go forward with you and go from there. Yeah, I hope they stalemate it. I hope they do because I think their roster is pretty good with him in it. You come with yeah. a half mo- half motivated Harden, you can win some games. So uh, I hope I hope it goes stalemate. Daryl, hold your line. Philly, hold your line, uh, and then just let the deadline pass. I think they got a chance for a championship, or at least pushing for a championship with that roster. I think there's, you know, I think Philly have a better chance, for instance, of making it further in the playoffs than Cleveland do. But I just picked mm-hmm. Cleveland three based on the whole Harden saga. Five, I had Miami. Uh, would you have them six? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, look, I just can't bet against Spo anymore. Um, you know, we we had them we had them in the mix last year and they, they, were, they were awful but in the regular season, but they they just, they managed to get it done. Um, issue is they cruise through the regular season a lot um, and they, they they can manage to turn it on like, like we saw last season. I mean, the dislikes are depth for them as well. Um, it, it's just amazing how the league's gone, you know, so – you know, superstar cap heavy that we're seeing a lot of teams with depth questions, right? You know, it's 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 one of those things you, you don't really have any any roster that's super deep these days. Uh, even the younger rosters, I mean, maybe your OKC or something, but that's because they're all young and they're not going to win a lot of games. But um, the only really acquisition they had, Thomas Bryant, uh, that'll come in and 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 play a little bit of backup minutes. I, I you know, if he's healthy, I like him. Uh, I was with him in LA, high energy guy, you know, passionate guy, plays hard. Um, provide a little bit of a burst for them off the bench, but I think they'll be solid. I mean, Tyler Harrow, does, does he stay there? He seems a little disrupt, disgruntled in this whole thing with his name being floated out there and the, the Dame rumors, and he's made, I think, some passive-aggressive comments um, over the summer about, you know, one foot in, one foot out to Miami, so it would be interesting to see how that goes. You've got the whole Jimmy Butler emo haircut pro. I'm, I'm sure you uh, you appreciated that and <laughs> whatever he was doing. I believe he does it just for his uh, NBA photo uh, thing to be different every season, but that was that was very interesting. But uh, I, yeah, I just can't bet against Miami. I think they'll still be a solid team in the East. For sure, they're going to be solid. The problem for them, I, I think, Bogues is losing. You know, you lose Gabe Vincent and you lose Max Strus, and you didn't really replace them. Uh, you replaced them a couple of guys that one rookie, Jaime uh, Jacquez. I don't know if I've 
pronounces his name right, rookie from UCLA. And Nikola Jovich, you know, you've been hearing about him the last year or so all summer about the trade, you know, trade stuff to Portland. So you lose those two guys that were really benefit, you know, really big time for you in the playoffs, and and you didn't really replace them. Now, you, well, they couldn't. You know, bro. You've got to start. That was the lineup. thing, right, bro? They What's couldn't. Up? They couldn't replace them because they they were all, they were like pretty much mean guys, right? Like they were they were, they were real bad oh. contracts, right? Yeah, they couldn't even replace them if they wanted to, right? Yeah, no, for sure, for sure they couldn't replace them. But I feel as though, I feel as though that they really, you know, they didn't have it salary wise to do it. But now they just basically, they don't really, they didn't really get anything new talent wise into their lineup. You know, they they've got unproven players. Now they got to step up big time with minutes. Thomas Bryant, solid. I do like Kevin Love. You know, with his shot making and ability to stretch the floor. But you know, this starting lineup's good with Lowry, Hero, Martin, Butler, Bam. But that second unit, you know, look, Duncan Robinson give you shot making. Richardson's tough. Uh, they don't really have a true point guard coming off the bench. They're probably gonna have to, you know play hero extended minutes into the second unit from being starter and then you know, slide him oh, over to point, point you know, when they take Jimmy. Lowry out of the game. Yeah. So I think it's going to be really tough for them to really make a run. I think regular season they'll be okay, but really make it a run. They're going to be really you know, top five heavy. And then that second unit really doesn't give them enough. In my opinion, I agree with you. Don't bet against Miami. But I do think that they downshifted two players that really helped them in the playoffs. And again, it, like you said, they couldn't keep those two guys. It, it is what it is with salary cap and, and sort of what you're handcuffed and, and things that you can't do. They're way over the cap. They can't really bring guys in. So it was really hard for them free agency-wise to replace them. But it, it's just, you know, look, can Jovic really step up from playing 13 minutes a night to a bigger role? You know, could... You know, could some of their younger players really step up? I think it's going to be tough. Bryant's okay. He's not the smartest guy in the world when he plays, but he plays hard. Um, he'll give them decent backup minutes, but he's not a guy that can really step up and give them a lot. I think they're, gonna, they're really betting on Jovich being something good. Hey, um, Haywood Highsmith's another guy that played a lot in the playoffs because of injury. Average four and three last year out of the backcourt. You know, he's going to be another guy. But I, I just think that that second unit – you know, with that really, you know, without, you know, they had a little bit of a cushion being able to bring Harrow off the bench last year in the regular season. And I think that having that guy is really beneficial for you to go forward, having that one guy that could give you 20 to 25 a night on any given night. They don't really have that in the second unit. I think that's going to hurt them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, 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 they could be anywhere from five to 10 the way they play. And they, they, they are kind of a team that limps around the regular season. So, but I would have said this, you know, no one expect them to go anywhere as near where they went, you know, like last season in the playoffs, they, they managed to flick a switch, but they did lose a lot of grunt with, with some of the guys that went. Six, I had Atlanta, I think you had them at five. Um, Quinn Snyder, I think he'll he'll see them improve dramatically, I think. I think he's a very good coach. I think he, you know, implement his system there. I think he'll have them sharing the ball, uh, playing a certain style, and they will get better defensively. They don't have a lot of great defensive players, uh, especially, you know, the elephant in the room there is is Trey Young needs to get to just an average level defensively for them to be anything decent. You know he can't be, you know Velcro on screens um, and and gambling for steals and floating out by the three defensively. If you can just get and everyone compares him to Steph, you know offensively because he shoots long threes. Where I would compare him to Steph is get to the point where Steph got to defensively. 
you know, Steph wasn't a great defender earlier on in his career, had some injury issues. He wasn't physical, got in the weight room, got strong, um, and bought into to, to watching tape and just just competing. Like if you if you just compete and you're Trey Young, yeah, you're small, you're not the most physical guy. Yes, screens hurt, but if you just compete, I, I think and just get yourself to an average level where you can't be blatantly picked on. I think it changes a lot for for Atlanta's journey. But if you're the Trey Young of old, where you yeah you're dropping forty a night, but your guys, you know your your ten point point guard, ten point a night point guard's got eighteen or twenty against you and dictating the game, then you you're almost at a net even with what you're bringing on the off- offensive end, or you need to have a an outlier game to to mitigate what you're giving up at that end. So that's a big one for me. I mean, notable acquisitions: Patty Mills, Australian Patty Mills, is there, and, and West Matthews, um, you know, a, a, another. Good acquisition, probably getting a bit older now, pro, but a guy that plays hard, really good defender, three and D guy, uh, shoots a three at a, at a decent clip, and, and he's a competitive guy, so he'll keep he'll keep those you know younger guys accountable for their minutes, um, and I think he'll help them. But they are, they are going to be interesting to watch. I, I, I'm really intrigued by kind of what Quinn can do with that squad. Yeah, um, the whole Trey Young thing. Look, I think that the biggest thing that I think he has to go through this year is not having any drama. You know, last two years, it's it's been like, you know, issues with him and his coach. And I think that, that he's got to go through a year of like, all right, you know what? Let's do it. I got to mature now. I got to take this game that was second level. The one thing that held Steph back early on in his career was his injuries. You know, I'm never going to c- compare Trey and Steph. They're, you know, it's you, they're uncomparable. You know, you got one guy who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best players to ever play the position, ever to play right. the game, and another guy who could put up points. You know, that's basically and pass the ball a little bit. I think for him, his next step in his progression is getting along with your fucking coach. You know, enough's enough for this bullshit of, you know, of, of the attitude stuff of, you know, the just being combative with your coach. Is it three, I, three, five the, years, right, pro? Third coach in yeah, five years. You gotta, yeah, you got to fight through that, man. You got to – sometimes you got to agree to disagree and you got to get in a room and talk it out instead of being one way about it. And look, the whole thing with the first coach, with Pierce, all right, sometimes you might give him the benefit of the doubt or you don't. Even if you gave him the benefit of the doubt, okay, there's one coach. But now he went through another coach, you know, and now he's on his, his next coach. He's got to relax with that, and he's got to find a way, regardless if you get along with your coach or you don't, to come to a happy medium. And that's the biggest thing for him. He plays no defense. He's a pick-and-roll scorer that can pass the ball. He puts up a lot of points, puts up a lot of assists. Now he's got to find his way to put those other guys in position to be good players and to help. The biggest problem with Atlanta is you trade John Collins and you don't get anything back. You basically salary dumped him which now lifts everybody up in, in, in their role and you know what they have to do for the team. I like DeAndre Hunter and he give you know he's a big wing that could you know do multiple things. He could score, he's got size, he can make shots. You know, Sadiq Bey, you know, he he's been a decent player in the last couple of years, averaging 13 and 4 last year. Clint Capella is what he is, rolling big, non-offensive, but he could roll. He's done well with those kind of guys, right? I mean, Rudy Gobert is the one that comes to mind. Like Quinn's done very well with with formulating a defense around a a defensive big like that. So that'll be interesting too. No doubt. And and their rookie they drafted, Kobe Bumpkin out of Michigan, they expect a lot out of. He could score. He's got a little bit of flair to him. He plays hard on both ends. Um, You know, Bogdan Bogdanovich, obviously – 
you know, they're expecting a little bit out of him. Um, their second unit's okay. Bo, you know, Bogdan, like, he gives it to you. You know, he's up and down. Obviously, hopefully he could stay healthy this year. A.J. Griffin, you know, will give him a little bit. I think they're a good team. Losing John Collins, I'm not a big Collins fan, but, you know, if you could have got something that could really help you, you know, I think they just wanted him off the books, and he's been coming a little bit of disgruntled there the last year. So that's going to be a big problem, losing him for almost nothing. But they're, they're going to go only as long as, you know, as far as Trey Young and DeJounte Murray could take him in the backcourt. You know, they got to be able to score. They got to be able to guard a little bit. And they got to just grind teams out. And they got to be able to have shot makers, guys that come in, know their role, and play hard. Look, I think, you know, I think their coach is really good. I think going forward, you know, Quinn does a great job for them getting them prepared. But, you know, now they're going to have to have some guys step up. You know, guys like Jalen Johnson, AJ Griffin, they got to give you a little bit more. Um, I think Patty and, and, you know, Wes will play a little bit. Yeah, I don't think they're going to play a lot this year. They're going to be more just vets that just stay ready every night and keep pushing those young guys, um, in my opinion. But I don't know. They're, they're okay. They're one of those teams that you could see at five or six, or you could, if they say, hey, they didn't even make the play and you wouldn't really be surprised either way. I think there'll be a team that's sort of like battling, like non-playing to playing. They're going to be battling, I think, in that yeah. five, six, seven range. You know, and just because they do have some talent and they have a really good coach. So that's where I see them. Okay, I've got uh, seven. I have the Knicks. Uh, who you got seven? Uh, who do I have as seven, Bogues? I've got standings. Boom. Yeah. I've got – I had Atlanta at seven. I had, okay, so I had Miami at six. six, Atlanta at seven. I had, I had New York at five. Okay. Yeah, look, I think New York, one thing I read were they were, they were one of the healthiest teams last season. So they, you know, as far as guys on court, they were one of the healthiest. So they were, you know, they dodged a lot of bullets and they, they played pretty well. But you can't sustain the health thing. You're not going to be – if you're top five again, then, yes, I see them higher than seven. But I, I predicted them based on the fact that, you know, Tibbs, is he, is he still going to ride everyone high minutes? Um, how does that all work? You know, notable acquisitions for them – DiVincenzo is a good pickup for them, I think. I, I believe he's done um, some good things in, in Golden State, and I think he'll be really good for them. But, yeah, the rotations, high minutes pro. They've had luck with injuries. Will Fournier play? <laughs> Will he finally crack the rotation? We, we know that Thibs is a guy that once you're in the doghouse, it's very hard to get out of that. Uh, so I think they can use him. Like I think he, he didn't play well last season, but he also didn't really get much of an opportunity after the first what probably month of the season, so I'm interested to see how that all goes. But um, I'm I'm basing seven on on them being super healthy last last season and having a good run with health. That they'll probably have some injuries this year. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. I think that look, they're a solid team though. They you know look, Jalen Brunson is what he is. You know, he, he's a floor general, floor leader. Um, he can score and pick and roll. He's tough, and you know, guys like Josh Hart and. You know, I think uh, DiVincenzo is going to really help him with his energy. But, you know, Barrett, Randall, Richard Robinson, like you said, they're going to play a lot of minutes. And, and, and look, Tibbs has been doing the same stuff since he's gotten the league. And he sort of pushes you to the limit and he gets those guys ready to play. People might say it's the right way to do it, wrong way to do it. Um, you know, who are we to judge it? I think that – I think there are – 
you know, they're an interesting team. I don't think they shoot it well enough to be really good, you know, considering what they have. You know, look, Brunson can make shots. Barrett's never really been able to shoot. Randall's been up and down. Mitchell Robinson's got to give, you know, an effort for 82 games. Um, I think they got a lot out of Hartenstein, you know, but they really got to, they got to be consistent. They're always going to fight you. They're always going to be tough. I do really like, look, they got hard, they got Josh Hart at, at trade deadline last year, I think he's going to be, you know, giving him a full year of him and Brunson playing together. I think he can give them a lot of, a, you know, good defensively, gives him a guy who plays hard, plays smart. You know, they don't really have any great players, in my opinion. They get some good players like, Rand, you know, obviously Brunson's their best player. You know, Randall could fill up the stat sheet, but they don't really have that great player. They just got to play well collectively. I think with, you know, their sort of inner toughness, and plus their coach being you know so well prepared, I think a grind out wins. I just think that it's going to be you know come April it's going to be tough for them, but I think they could you know they could really be a team that could be in the top five, top six, you know in the East and just sort of compete. I just don't think they have the pieces. You know they're going to start having to make some moves to you know get some guys out of there. I don't I don't know if they're going to redo it through the draft a little bit. Keep your core together. Keep the Brunsons. In my opinion, I think you got to get rid of Barrett, Randall. You know, you keep it with Brunson. You have Hart. You know, I like quickly, but now start bringing a couple other players. Like I said, they're a team that will be in the top six, top seven, and grind it out. I just, I think they're really missing that other piece to put with Brunson that could really take them over the top. And that was Towns was rumored in the offseason, so we'll see if any anything heats up with that with uh, with Minnesota, eight, I had Indiana. I think they'll, they'll improve with Carlisle there another season. They've got good yep. young guards. They don't, they don't have an absolute superstar uh, yet. Halliburton's obviously a very good guard for them. But uh, they brought in Bruce Brown, notable acquisition um, off a championship, Daniel Tice and Obi Toppin. Um, nothing too crazy with, with the acquisitions, but I think they'll be better. I think they'll be solid. Uh, you know, I'll look at the teams below them. There's maybe two teams, three teams that could probably take eight that are below them. Uh, but I just think that that Carlisle, you know, is going to get his his hands in there a bit more this season after being there for a little bit, and, and should should churn out a little bit more wins in in what is the basketball mecca in Indiana, pro. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be improved. I have them at ten. Um, look, they had they didn't have a great season last year. Obviously, they were in the lottery. They've got some young players. I think Halib, you know, this team goes as far as Halliburton takes them. You know, twenty and ten last year. Um, Matt, you know, Matherin has to really take that next step in his development and to really take that team to another level. You know, you know what you're going to get out of Halliburton. Miles Turner is going to play solid, you know, rim protecting big 18 and seven. You know, he does what he does, buddy healed. If he's going to stay, you know, how I don't, there's been a lot of rumors of him getting moved, but I like the Bruce Brown acquisition. I, I think, you know, Carlisle, really plays, you know, does well with the guards like that. His toughness, you know, um, he's been around. He's a tough kid. You know, 11 and four last year on a championship team. Big, you know, big loss for Denver. And I think they could they could do okay. They don't have any great players. They got Halliburton, who's really good. You know, that second unit, solid, you know, with guys like TJ McConnell, you know, Buddy, Aaron, you know, Aaron Naismith, 
you know, Jalen Smith will play, Dice will play. They got a couple of decent young players that will play in the rotation. But um, look, Halliburton's going to be really high usage for him. He's going to put those guys in position. Obi Toppin really has to take the next step of his development. He's disgruntled in New York for no reason. The guy's been a little bit of a flop, you know, as far as how high he got picked. He's got to be solid for them. I think one thing Rick really does, and, and, and Tibbs does it too, he puts those guys in roles and he, and he expects those guys to stay with it, especially if you're if you're not really all that talented and you need to stay in a role. And that's what Rick polices pretty well. So I think he'll he'll do well with that. But um, look, they're building something there around Halliburton. They're trying to acquire some things. You know, they're using Buddy Hilda's pieces. You know, but I think you know Bruce Brown's got a good contract for them. You know, he's non guaranteed. After I think he signed a two year deal, if I'm not mistaken, team option second year, twenty two million first year, twenty three million non uh, team option for the second year. So interesting with that to see you know look it's a low it's a low risk deal for them in, in going forward but i think Matt, like i said matherin you know guys like obi toppin's got to take their game to another level buddy heald's got to be consistent and, and to go forward but they're a good team they're scrappy i think they could sort of you know they'll be in the plan you know depending on where and i think they'll they'll do okay Agree. They'll play hard. They'll play hard. That's one thing, and they'll they'll, they'll put yeah. themselves in positions to be in in games. The talent will probably hurt them in the long run. Nine. I got Brooklyn. I think you had not Brooklyn as well at nine. Uh, they should scrape in. Look, they had a decent finish to last season. Once things kind of steadied and, and normalized after the trade, they were okay. Um, you know, but they they they, they play hard, man. They, you know, Bridges and um, notable acquisitions: Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr., Ben Simmons is a notable acquisition to me because he's healthy. So, uh, look, I think he's obviously got a lot of people doubting whether he can bounce back. Can he get back to the Ben Simmons of old, you know, his first couple of years in the league, downhill threat, you know, getting on the rim. Obviously, you're going to say has to knock down his free throws for any of that to all come together, which we both agree on. That's probably the outlier in all this is just getting his confidence back from the free throw line. You know, if he can just get to the low, low to mid-60s, it then takes away the doubt that he has in his mind to get on the rim and try to dunk on someone. If you're shooting the 40s, you can actually see, you know, Ben becomes a bit more hesitant and takes completely away from from his strengths. Obviously, a defensive menace at the other end, so he can still mitigate a little bit of his offensive liability, but they need him to come in healthy. Uh, Cam Johnson, Royce O'Neal, they got a pretty well-balanced roster. Cam Thomas obviously will play a bigger role, had some really big games, a few 40-point games last season on that, on that stacked roster. So I think they'll be solid. Uh, they're not going to set the world on fire. They'll be up and down, but I think they'll be a solid team that will will make a play in for me at the nine. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're a team and they're in, they're just sort of in flux, right? You know, with with the deals they made, you know, to acquire the talent that they did, and you know, they they gave away a lot of you know great players in in return for some young guys that could really help them and a lot of draft picks going forward. Um, this year's team, look, um, you know, Dimwitty, Thomas Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, Claxton will probably be you know starting five, maybe Cam Johnson are there. I'm not sure, but. I think that look, they're solid. They play hard. They're gritty. Um, Bridges is obviously their best player, and then you know him and Dimwitty a good combination. You know Bridges to me can't really be your best player to be a really good team. I think he he's got to play that second or third role. You know, a defender, cutter, a guy who can make open shots. I think when he becomes your isolation go to guy, sometimes it, it probably won't work out for you as well as you know you wanted to. Cam Thomas is a good guy, in my opinion. If he comes off the bench, he's good. He can give you some energy off the bench. Him as a starter, 
you know, he's got to understand as a starter, he's probably a fourth or fifth option, you know, where he just has to sort of knock down shots consistently. You know, that's sort of, you know, last year he took a jump in his shooting, 38% from three. But I, I like the team. It gives you a lot of energy. You know, I like the... You know, I like the combination of any type of combination of Johnson, Bridges, and Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal. All those guys can guard. They can, you know, they can give you a little bit of an off- offensive punch. But, you know, they're a young team. They're they're just still figuring things out. I think Nick Claxton's got to continue to sort of, you know, rise his game to be somebody who can give you like 14 and 10, you know, going forward. Um, you know, second unit's okay. Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr. You know, we talked about Roy- Royce O'Neal. They're they're a good team. I, the whole Ben Simmons thing. Look, Bogues, it's, it's sort of like, you know, every year it's the same thing. The last few years, it's oh, I'm ready. You know, I'm I'm, I'm ready. I'm you know, my, I'm mentally into it. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna shoot when I get, get open shots, and then he doesn't shoot. So until he does it, how, how can anybody really believe it? You know, and, and the thing is, look, we know he's going through stuff, and you know, everybody's going through a little bit of different things. But look. You don't have to do a lot. You do a little bit and people are going to be all all, you know, all they're going to they're going to have your back going forward, you know, a 1000%. They just need to see something. They need to see life. The guys making too much money to do what he's doing, to not play, to give excuses. You know, you're a pro. You got to go out, you got to play, you got to show that team. And like you said, he's like a new acquisition. He hasn't played, he hasn't been any type of a factor. The fucking mascot's been more of a factor than he has. And he needs to show like, look, you know, you don't need to shoot 40% from three. You just got to show the ability that if you're going to have an open shot, you're going to take it. When you're going to get to the, you know, when you're driving it, you're going to actually want to make contact with your defender to get to the free throw line and not be afraid of it. Take That's your a big punches. one for me. I think everything else is thinking of that. I, I think his game is so on the rim. You know, when I practiced with him with the boomers, the one session that he showed up to, he, when he's going downhill with a mindset of getting in the paint, even though you know, He's not going to shoot the three. He's not a jump shooter. I know he's trying to get on the rim, and you still can't really stay in front of him. He's got an elite talent there. But but like you said, if you're going to get in there and Euro step to a hook shot because you don't want to get hit, it's taken away from your strength. So I think that everything for him, as a guy who had free throw struggles, is is free throws for him. If he can shoot the ball at a yeah. decent clip, and, and not even – I'm not talking he needs to shoot 70 80%. Just get to the 60s where he's confident enough to not get – hacked on purpose where I think then yeah. he relates to like, oh man, they found me on purpose and then his aggression's limited, he'll be fine. But that's all the off-season videos, you know, we, that we see shooting jumpers. I'm, I'm not worried about any of that. I, I think his whole thing is mental yeah. and it's a free throw line. If he fixes that, he'll come back to the, you know, 13, 14, 8 and 8 Ben Simmons that we saw in Philadelphia quite easily. And and defensive end, we've got no real gripes there. Like he's elite, multiple positional, def, multi-positional defender, can guard point guards, can guard bigs. So he, he's at that end, we don't even have a worry. He's fantastic. But mm-hmm. he might not be on the floor with the way the game's played today, late in games. You can't have him out there for late game stops if the offense isn't there. So it's it's a very valid point. And I hope he gets it back. Like we we took we've talked about it a lot till the cows come home. Um everyone's heard it, but we you know, he's an Australian star that we want to do well, that I want to do well. I want him to play well in the NBA and come back and then play a great role for the boomers to try and get a medal. So I hope, you know, I hope he finds it and and, and we're all pulling for him. I mean, I mean, people here are still throughout the ups and downs of, 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 of national team, not national team. I want to play. I don't want to play. People still are supportive of like, you hate to see an athlete in that kind of, um, I guess that little 
asylum mentally where they're just overthinking things and you can quite clearly see it on, on the floor. So I hope I hope it all gets figured out. But yeah, I like, I like their roster pro. I think they'll be they'll be competitive and they'll be decent, even without Ben Simmons. He, yeah, with Simmons, look, uh, look, we over talk about it, no doubt about it. You know my feelings of him, but with the whole free throw shooting thing, look, you know, I spent time with you with it. I was with Rondo with it. And you just have to embrace getting fouled. Embrace getting fouled. Understand that at first, look, he's got to get some type of routine going every day. You know, game day, non-game day, off day, what have you. And shoot, 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 shoot. But that's only going to take you so far. You got to be able to get a routine, get a technique that's going to work for you. Then you're going to get to the line in games, like in practices. Like if I was them, I would have, I would every day, go through some type of a game situation under a minute, under two minutes, and then follow the fuck out of him and make him shoot free throws in, in clutch situations in practice. And then in games and just talk to him and say, look, I don't give a fuck if you go 0 for 30, your first 30. If you're any type of an athlete or competitor, you're going to figure out what you're doing wrong to fix it. The first thing is dealing with it in, a, in an arena where people are expecting you to miss. You got to go through that and continue to embrace getting to the line. Don't be afraid of it. And then it's you're going to start seeing a little success and more and more. But you're not going to like hide from it for 70 games out of the season and then all of a sudden want to play in the playoffs and then, all right, I'm just going to get fouled in the playoffs. You know, you're talking about this stuff in October, but oh, by April, I'll be all right. No, no, no. You want to embrace getting fouled on fucking October 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th. Get to the line, deal with your fucking, deal with missing it, deal with the embarrassment, and then just keep on getting better with it. Because if you hide from it and expect it just going to happen in April and May after not really going to the line at all, it's not going to work. He'll be, I wouldn't say he's okay just because how he deals with things, but he's got to embrace that. But yeah, I like their roster. I think they're okay. Um, I just think there's too much talent in the East for them to do a lot, but I think that they could, you know, stay steady. They've got young talent. They got a ton of draft picks. They're going to be good in, in years to come. I think, you know, Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, Claxton, Johnson are guys that they're going to go forward with, and they just got to keep on sort of acquiring players here and there. But I think they'll be good. It'll be interesting to see Dennis Smith Jr. backing up Dinwiddie a point and seeing where he goes. He really hasn't had a you know a ton of success in his career so far, but he's had some flashes. I'd, I'd like to see him throughout the whole year. Yeah, finished with Charlotte last season, right? Uh, was was quite decent there. So, all right, ten Orlando. You had them at eight, so much of a muchness. I think they'll be young and fun. And I think last season we spoke about the fact that they were in so many games last season. Their record didn't reflect how decent and consistent they were. I mean, that they had numerous games losing by two possessions, one possession against good teams. That we we both agreed that given another year or two they start to figure this thing out they'll be in the mix and that's why I'm giving them a sneaky you know shot in the plane I just think they'll they're, they're well coached they play hard um, no no huge acquisitions Joe Ingles to sign there obviously so brought them some some some, some shooting and just a, a veteran presence there um, but they're going to be young and fun and I think they'll just scrape their way into a tour plane which will be very important for their long term success experiencing that. You know, you could see them getting through a play in the way they play, and they're, they're you know they're not going to beat themselves. They're not overly super talented. They're not one of these teams that's you know got got a boatload of talent. They have to figure out how to how to make it mesh. But Cole Anthony's not bad. Banchero is going to be their guy. Uh, Carter Jr. is decent. Fultz is making a little rehash with his his career. Gary Harris, um, Joe Ingles, I mentioned. Jonathan Isaac is healthy, so looking forward to seeing how he can contribute. 
Uh, they do have the dunk contest champion in Mac McClung throw, so I don't know if you knew that, but there might be some some good warm-up dunks. Uh, the Wagner brothers are there, obviously, Jalen Suggs. So I think they've got a good mix of, of, of youth there, a little bit of veterans sprinkled on top, but I think they'll be they'll be in the mix and be competitive no, no matter no matter where they're sitting on that table throughout the season. I think they're not a they're not a you know, for a team that's gonna be bottom bottom six, bottom seven, they're not a team that you can tick the box on and get an easy win in the regular season. No, I really like where they're going, and, and I think they can become really good at, t- at times. They're going to beat some really good teams. Um, they got to figure some things out, you know, as far as going forward, where they're going to be with their roster. But look, I think when Bonchero and Wagner are two all-star level talents, I think Bonchero, you know, Bonchero is obviously their best player, you know, right now at twenty and seven. Wagner is coming on strong at eighteen and four last year. Really good, you know, multi-talented could can score, can post up, has good touch, real smart player. Bonchero just comes at you and just keeps on going. I think where they got to figure things out, Bogues, I think Anthony Black is one of the top two or three players in the draft last year. They drafted him out of University of Arkansas. He's a Dallas kid. Um, he's really talented. He's got great vision. You know, He reminds me a little bit of Giddy, where he's got really good size. He's got really good vision. Um, I don't know if he's as good as Giddy is, but you know, even at this stage, but his vision is off the charts. He's like a Sean Livingston type tall guard that could really see the floor, really get in the paint. And the thing right now is I think Black is better than Fultz. He's better than Suggs. He's better than Anthony. I think right now where their guards are, that you know, Suggs obviously got lost to injury last year. I think, in my opinion, you move Cole Anthony throughout the year. Fultz has become really good. I think, in in, in my opinion, going forward, Fultz is a good player off the bench. I think Black is a good you know starting point guard. Jawan Howard's kid, Jet Howard's a good player. He'll be good in the future, you know, for them. Wendell Carter's really solid at fifteen and eight. I really like him. I think Jamal Mosley. I respect Jamal as a as one of the better young coaches in the league for sure. But I think they. You know, they always play hard. They always support each other. It's interesting now, though, Bogues, like last year, like they were really young and, and, and trying just, you know, just to try to, they're just trying to find themselves in the league. When you have a little bit a little bit of success, you know, last year they had 34 wins. I don't think anybody really expected that. They probably expected them at like 17, 18, 19 wins. But now you got a little bit of success. Where do you go from there? It crumbles some teams. Some teams crumble with it. With it, there's not a lot of pressure. You get it, and now there's that pressure a little bit because people are expecting it. I think that they're going to have some issues with guard play as far as like who to play long minutes to. I don't think they'll play Black early. But now even with Fultz and Anthony and Suggs, who's going to have their ball in their hand, that's going to be a little bit of an issue. But Look, I like what they're doing. They got a lot of young players that they don't really have to sign for big money. You know, guys like Gary Harris will be coming off the book soon, you know, open up a little bit more money as well. So now you've got these young players, some guys you can move, you'll have some cap room. I think this year they're at 118 million, then they go to 79 million or so next year. So they'll have some cap room. You know, they're going to have to sign their guys going forward, but. They're a little bit of a sleeping giant, you know, if they could just, if Wagner and Bonchero could keep on getting better, Wendell Carter could stay healthy, and then and then guys like, you know, Black and, you know, could really take a step with the development, Jet Howard, you know, now you're, now you're talking about some things. So I really like them. I think they're good. I think they, I, it wouldn't even surprise me if they move up to eight or seven, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch them going forward. 
All right, and the bottom five, I'm not going to go through individually because they don't deserve to be. Uh, if you're not now in our top ten, we're not going to go through you individually. But I'll I'll go through my order and touch on things very quickly. And if you want to chime in, feel free. But I, I got Toronto eleven. Uh, I think they need to rebuild. You know, Dennis Schroeder will help them. Jalen McDaniel is another acquisition for him. Chicago at twelve, just not a good roster mix. We said this last season. Ball's health. Um, also is a huge concern for them whether he plays again. They, they did bring in Javon Carter and Torrey Craig. Charlotte, young and fun, um, won't win games. <laughs> um, you know, notable acquisition, Miles Bridges. Even though he's been on their roster, he's back to play. So they will be fun. They will be – their commentators are, are fun to listen to at times because they really do get into regular season games, but I don't think they win many games. Uh, Detroit, another year away from consistency in their rebuild, I think. Joe Harris is a notable guy. that will probably play some minutes for him. And then Washington, for me, I, I just think they'll score. I just don't see them grinding out wins. Um, they brought in Gallinari, Jordan Poole, and Landry Shamet, but uh, I just don't think they're going to be very good. I think there's going to be a bit of a wrestle there between Jordan Poole and Kuzma for touches and that little push-pull push pull theory that you see with young teams. But that's kind of my bottom five, Pro. You got, you got any notes on any of those five teams? Yeah, I mean, Toronto is just blah. You know, I think that, you know, Schroeder playing great in 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 the world championships, like – you know, I think that sometimes it's a, a kiss of death. I mean, you know, to play really well in an in a international event during the summer and then, you know, the expectations go up a little bit. I don't really expect much from Toronto. Um, Chicago, I just think that not having ball, I don't I don't think, look, I'm not a doctor. I don't have any inside information, but it doesn't look like ball is going to play, you know, most of the year, if not the whole year. And I think losing him and having to go to, to point guards that aren't really point guards and then their roster is not that good as it is. I think they're going to have some issues there. Um, Detroit, you know, people are expecting a lot out of Detroit. A lot of the young guys, you know, they had some injury issues the last year. So guys could play a little bit more. Um, I, I think Washington is going to be terrible. You know, I don't, I think when you're expecting, you know, Jordan Poole to be your guy, it's, it's going to be tough, but they're not really looking to winning you know win games anyway they're looking to get in the lottery and go you know and continue to be bad and acquire players and then uh, i don't know i don't i don't really see much out of charlotte really you know you know ball you know ball got hurt a little bit last year but you know they don't really have anybody on their roster you know brandon miller is going to be a guy they drafted uh nick smith's another guy they drafted the first round they'll be good i like their young guys brandon miller and nick smith to be decent um we didn't really discuss much out of the draft but miller play um what's up Kai Jones? Um, maybe on their EA sports team, uh, the eSports team. <laughs> I don't expect Kai Jones to be on their regular team, but I think on the eSports team, he'll be really good. Or if there's like YouTube influencer games, I think he'll be mm. really good for that. But uh, yeah, I don't expect much out of out of Charlotte this year. Um, and one thing I was listening, I usually listen to NBA radio and uh, Steve Clifford was on like, talking about how good of a guy Miles Bridges is. And I love Clifford to death. I think he's a great dude, no ego, whatever. But I'm sorry, man. I can't I can't really be – I can't be speaking glowingly out of a guy who beat the shit out of his significant other. So I think that's well, – What's he supposed of, to say? You know, that's a problem, bro. Like, just, yeah, fuck probably that. Right. Bogues, just fuck say that. Nothing. You could fire my fucking <laughs> ass. I would never say a good fucking word about a guy who's, who fucking waves hands on a woman, ever. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, say anything bad. Enough. But I'll be, you know what? Just keep it the I'd take the same, I'd take the same fucking, the same philosophy that that guy at the NBA should have taken when mm. they were asking about the, um, about the games over, you know, over in what's it called? Abu Dhabi. Next question, please. I yeah, would yeah, never, yeah. I can't say anything good about yeah, a guy who strikes a woman like that. 
fair enough. He's, he's, yeah, he's his head coach. He's, he's in a tough spot, but I, 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 I agree. It. I agree. You just take the high road. He's here to play basketball. Hopefully he puts that behind him and, and, and we move on from it. But uh, yeah, it's a tough one for him. All right, moving on. Follow Dabble, the social betting experience. You can follow anyone from your best mate to me, Andrew Bogut. Uh, Andrew Bogut, all one word, on the Dabble app. We'll start some bets up um, once the NBA season starts. And download the app at the App Store, Dabble, all one word. Double socially and gamble responsibly. Getting to some NBL stuff, just quickly, I want to touch on the national team. Um, there was, you know, we, we did did a, I did some clips on, on on our chat last season. I was pretty, you know, hard on on the national team um, and the performance. Just saying it was underwhelming, and I had some people reach out. You know, oh, Brian Gorge. I don't want Brian Gorge gone, um, but you have to be critical of the performance. And these were conversations on the podcast. I have these conversations with Brian Gorgian. I've had these conversations with people on the team that you got to look back and reflect and be critical. Otherwise, you're not going to move forward. So for all the people that are overreacting, thinking that I was calling for Brian's head, completely opposite. I think he's in a great position to retool and and get to Paris, obviously bringing a bronze um, I've known him since I was a young kid. So for those people, just just pump the brakes a little bit. It's it's, it's not that extreme, but you have to be critical of that performance because it's one of our one of our kind of worst finishes we've had in in a, in a decade plus. So chill out, people. Hey, pro, check this out. So I brought this in for you, man. Uh, nice little nice little championship ring for you. Uh, we had our uh, wherever you can see it. Um, we got our NBL ring, Sydney Kings yesterday against Adelaide. So I thought I'd bring that in and just show the people a nice little gold ring and. It's our second one. Funnily enough, they're exactly the same as last season's. So hopefully for our three-peat, the NBA will change them a little bit. <laughs> um, but that's just our, our ring. We had our, our celebration yesterday. 14,000-plus people turned up at Kudos Bank Arena. So we appreciate all that. It was a, a really good turnout for us. Um, the NBL crowds all over the league are, are flying. So let's get into the NBL results real quick, and then we'll, we'll touch on, on, on what you text me about over the weekend, which most people probably want to hear about. Southeast Melbourne, they've been struck by the injury bug again. They've they had an 0-2 weekend, so not not very good to them. Uh, losing to Illawarra. Uh, Illawarra getting their first win, uh, which was against Southeast Melbourne. Melbourne United go down to Tasmania, which was a really good game. Ta- uh, Melbourne had the control of the whole game. Tasmania came back and stole it late. Milton Doyle uh, was amazing in that game, especially late. I think he scored 10 or 12 straight points from at one point. Tasmania, impressive weekend. They beat the Sydney Kings on Friday. Go to Melbourne and beat Melbourne in Melbourne on Sunday. So a really good weekend for the for the Jack Jumpers. Uh, so the Kings obviously lost at Tasmania. They handled their business at home yesterday against Adelaide, which puts Adelaide to 0-4. Uh, almost crisis time for them. Uh, Cairns, they go 2-0. They beat Southeast Melbourne and the Brisbane Bullets in what was a crazy game, which we'll get into right now. Um, but Brisbane getting a big win in New Zealand, then playing Cairns at home. Uh, the game where, where Aaron Baines exploded, uh, you know, you, 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 you text me about it. You saw the highlight. There's a lot to talk about in this. I'm not going to go too in-depth in it. But Aaron Baines, you know, had two guys boxing him out. Um, he, you know, I think that it was a pretty even game at that point right before halftime. And Latmayan was getting ragdolled a little bit by Bainesy, like most of us do. I've been there. He's a big, strong man that's, you know, trying to box in, boxing him out is, is a very tough task. And, Mayan was was getting ragged out a little bit, turned and and, and elbowed him in the face. I saw it on live play and realized uh, what happened. And Baines had gone crazy. The referees had called a double technical. Baines had then asked the referee to go to review and and see his elbow in the face. And the referee was just kind of like, we're not reviewing it. And I think at that point, he was already steaming. 
And I think that set him off at the fact that refs wouldn't even go to review it, which I don't have to do, but that's what I think pissed Baines off. Um, and you don't excuse his behavior from that point forward. You know, he was a very scary look in his eyes. He, he lost composure. And I've been around Aaron Baines a number of times in a number of campaigns. And, and he look, he's had those those issues throughout his career. Uh, he does get – he does does go – dark a little bit where he loses things and you need to bring him back into the fold but one thing i will say is he's never he's never the instigator in these things uh, never the instigator never a guy to start this but if someone's him or he feels hard done by he loses his mind so anyway they they, they leave those two on the court or, or baines gets a second tech but it gets assessed to the bench for those confused he got two techs but in in international ball pro if you get assessed the tech while you're on the bench it goes to the bench so he's lucky he didn't get thrown out there he goes to the locker room to calm down. Uh, it was only about a minute left in the half. Lat Mayan's not ejected at that point. Now, I've confirmed with the NBL, both those guys came out and were thrown out at, during warm-ups at halftime, which was you don't see very often. But the Aaron Baines thing, uh, I've got I've spoken to some people that were that were in the mix there. It's on camera as well. From what I understand, the head coach of the Cairns Taipans. Now, in Brisbane for the Bullets, they have a locker room and they have a separate room where they meet because it's a small arena. They all have their locker room with the showers and that are, and they, have, they go across the hall to a meeting spot for their film and their half-court address and their pregame address. What I understand, Aaron Ford was, uh, sorry, Aaron, Adam Ford, was pacing up and down um, the hallway and for two or three minutes, not sure what he was waiting or trying to do, his team was mm -hmm. the pads were already in their locker room waiting for him to come in for the address. I'm not sure if he does that every game, gives the guys three or four minutes, but he was pacing up and down. Right when that is happening, Aaron Baines comes out of the locker room because he'd gone there to calm down to go to the meeting room where the coaches are. What I understand is that that Forty has gone up to Aaron and I've heard some people have said there was some touching involved. Some people have said there wasn't, but there was a finger pointed in Aaron's face from 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 the coach. Uh, that's when that escalated where Aaron Baines had, had pushed him, I believe. And then we have all these things coming out on broadcast about, you know, people giving assumptions about what happened and, and, and Aaron needs to handle himself better. Don't condone any of the behavior from either of them. I think there's a lot of blame placed on a head coach because you can't be, you can't be doing that. I think this situation is, is, is resolved at halftime. If that's the, the gas isn't, the petrol's not not poured on the fire. Uh, Aaron's very reactionary, but he's not an instigator. He he would not have sought out coach to try and go and start another another kerfuffle. But I think the coach instigated that to an extent, which doesn't help circumstances so much. So pro that this then had the referees had realised. I don't know if they saw it at halftime in the hallway. Aaron's come out. He's got a, a technical for the altercation. That's what he was thrown out for. That man's come out for warm-ups. They've said, hey, we've checked your elbow at halftime, which I didn't know they could do. But for a hostile act, the wording is hostile act. The referees can actually retrospectively review something if they, they deem it dirty or, or, or cause a kerfuffle. And they then ejected him pro. But it was, I know you saw it. Give me your thoughts. But you never want to see a player like that. And, and, and Aaron, he's probably the first to put his hand up and say he handled it poorly. But he was... He was steaming pro. Bogues, you know how that is. Like, you hit a player in the right spot, they just lose their fucking mind. And I think that that's what he did. He looked scary with it, that he was pissed, you know, going into it when he got elbowed. Look, the guy, I don't know. 
I mean, it looked like a tough elbow. I don't know if the guy did it completely on purpose. They were sort of bear hugging. Both guys are trying to take him out. Guy elbows in the face. He gets pissed. Obviously, double pissed that they didn't really uh, review it. My thing is, like, the biggest problem I see, you don't see it a lot in the NBA where both teams sort of go in the locker room the same entrance, right? Like, yeah, that's a problem. And I look, it might be just how places are constructed in Australia. I have no idea, but I think that's a problem. Then, like, I think as a teammate, you got to take him away from it, not like either shuffle him ahead of the guy or let that guy go and then go because you got to be smart enough as a coach or a player to be like, dude, you know, why escalate it? You know, because look, in that moment before you look at the film, you probably think the guy did it on purpose. He's pissed about it. That's a problem. Now with the whole coaching thing, look, I didn't see it. I didn't see any film of that. I didn't have any information, whatever. But look, man, as a coach, it's not like Aaron fucking clotheslined the guy and cheap-shotted your guy where you would really take offense to it and want to get into somebody's face. First of all, you're professional. You're older. You should know. Like, just let it go. But regardless of what happened, as a coach, you got to be a better man with it, you know, and, and just stay out of the way of the player. And yeah, it's a bad fucking situation. It's tough. I, I saw you tweet something out or something about when, when people are trying to comment on it, if it was mental health or not. I don't know how the fuck you do that, you know, as just a commenter or. or oh, I was more the, the insinuations anyone. on a commentary team without, when you don't yeah. put the facts out and they've painted as, you know, there was nothing painted towards the fact that, look, Coach Ford did the did it wrong as well, right? He, I, I, I truly believe, and being around Aaron Baines in these situations, I've dealt with these situations where he's lost his mind at practices and whatever, and we've, he usually goes away, you give him his five or ten, and he comes back to the fold and he's fine. I think this situation would have been resolved. The fact that Coach Ford was waiting for him, now whether he was waiting or not, yeah. I don't know, but then confronted him on top of that, I think that was wrong. That was This situation was over with. He had his tech. He would have came mm-hmm. back out, did his warm-up, would have been good to go. That 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 was bad. And as a coach, you cannot do that. And like you said, it, Aaron didn't start the cheap shot or didn't do something crazy for a coach to even address it. But, you know, Ford is mm-hmm. a passionate guy and he's chirpy and he likes to get into it argy-bargy as well. He's not going to take a step back. Wrong time, wrong place, wrong guy. Now, the other point is, yes, the NBL has got to look at some of these arenas don't have two exit points. They have one to get to the locker rooms. You then have to stagger this because – we don't see it a lot in our sport, but in the NBA, you see it a lot. 82 games, guys are tired, road trips, didn't get sleep, uh, banged up, you know, a bit of shit talking starts. Scuffles happen almost every other every other night in the NBA, especially if you're walking through the same tunnel. Guys are going to be talking shit, and then one guy might respond, right? NBA definitely has to look at staggering those exits in the arenas. We're one of those arenas, uh, the Kings Arena is as well, where you go out the same tunnel. Shit can hit the fan. doesn't happen as much in the NBL historically doesn't mean it's not going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And the, the, that's definitely an issue. Second one is yes, Brisbane, you know, Aaron Baines has, has a, has a bit of a temper and can, can see red and you have a coach. Luke Longley was that guy of the national team. Unfortunately, he was his personal bodyguard slash psych at times where mm-hmm. if, if Baines is in that point, you, you know that as a head coach or a teammate, you got to know your, your teammates and your players' weaknesses and be like, hey, this this guy, we need to get someone with him. Make sure he gets to the locker room, have him sit down, have a drink, have a have a towel, and then he'll be fine. And that's Bainsey, right? And, and that's what I think that the Brisbane have to know that. Um, but this is an ugly situation. 
you know, and I'm not condoning Aaron's actions. He's got to live and stand by his actions. If you speak to him, he he would say the same thing. I handled that poorly once it happened, but I think what happened at halftime also needs to be addressed. So there is potential for suspensions. We do play, Sydney Kings play Brisbane on Friday. I never want to play teams shorthanded. I'm not one of those guys like, I hope their star's out. No, I want to see the, I want to see the best play the best, and I want to earn our, our win in Brisbane on Friday. But there is a chance that Aaron Baines potentially gets suspended. Um, and there is a chance that uh, my argument is if he gets suspended, I think Coach Ford definitely um, should be in the conversation for something as well. And I know they're off to the US now playing in the US game, so they're not even here this weekend. So I'm not sure how that whole tribunal suspensions is going to work. But just an what ugly – Oh, they're playing exhibition? They're playing, playing an exhibition. exhibition. Yeah, Kansas is over there and um, they're going over – I think they're playing – is it Toronto, I think? I think they're playing in Toronto, I think it might be. So – they're going over there, and, and I, I don't know how that's going to be handled. Just, obviously, if you suspend him, it wouldn't be for that game because that game's got nothing to do with FIBA. So we'll be interested to see how the mm-hmm. NBL reacts to all of this. Um, but the big one that most people are asking was why the, why the suspension after. So I've learned something new that re- you can retrospectively go to film if you're a referee at any point in the game. It doesn't have to be halftime or three-quarter time or quarter time. If there's a hostile act that you missed and actually mm-hmm. – go back in time and eject someone later on down the, down the, top, down the game, which is not something we often see. Uh, the NBA is pretty good at addressing it straight away. But I think the NBA do have a similar rule, similar rule that if they see something hostile later on on film that they can they can address it. So interesting nonetheless. Bogues, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just sort of saw the thing. Somebody commented on it. I think I follow a bunch of people that, that, that sort of are fans of the show and somebody tweeted about it and then I sent it to you. And it's unfortunate, man. It just um, one of those things that just happened, and you got to deal with. It's uh, yeah, it's tough, man. I just, you know, you feel for the guy, and you know, look, players lose their temper. We've seen it. We've been, we've been, you know, side by side with it, looking at other players that lost their shit. Remember, like Trevor Ariza wanting to kill Salah. Um, you know, there's <laughs> a bunch Matthews of stuff that one. happens. Wes yeah, Matthews, West, y'all. West, West Matthews, dude. West Matthews. <laughs> Wes Matthews, I mean, that guy might have been the angriest nice guy I ever met in my life. That guy literally just got angry, and sometimes that he had a chair you know, in the Kobe tunnel. Did that Remember, bro? Yeah, he had a chair. Yeah, the, he, he, no, he, they he, put him on the bike on the tunnel. No, he had a chair back he, there too that he'd sit oh, on. Oh, he had a chair. Yeah, so he would get subbed yeah, out of games, fuming for whatever, just being yeah. subbed out, not playing well, missing the three. And he would walk straight to the tunnel. They'd have a they'd have a chair there for him, where he'd go and sit, and then sit down and kumbaya and try to recompose himself, and then come sit on the bench because I guess he knew himself. He knew he was going to say something stupid, to coach, or kick a chair, or Dude, he was. He'd be like, "Where's I, where's I that?" West, and, like, he's, yeah, he's, he's awesome. just play, too fuck. Play, play as hard he's as he can. But you love man. those guys. Like he plays as hard as he can, but every now and then you got to put him back on the, on the on the railway. You know, put him back on the tracks. And get him, but he was he was definitely one. But yeah, we'll see. I mean. um, I think it'll all be okay. Uh, everyone just needs to pump their tires. In Australia, that kind of stuff's frowned upon. Like it's, as an athlete, you can never show emotion or passion because our football players uh, and, you know, rugby league, the media is, oh, look at that. It's a bad role model kids are watching. But people are human and they have bad emotions. Was it right what he did? No. But everyone's human. Everyone fucks up. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone's reactive. How would you react if you got an elbow to the face when it actually happens? You can talk about, oh, it wasn't that big of an elbow. I should have yeah. done that. But until you get punched in the mouth, you, you don't know what it's like yeah. getting punched in the mouth. So just one of those things. Finally, the NBL, two, they've got two next stars here, Pro. I've, I've caught both of them in small doses. Uh, Frenchman Alex Saar 
and Bobby, Bobby Clintman, Swedish kid, both on draft boards. They're, they're, they're legit. They're, they are legit players, pro. I think Alex Saar is going to be a top five pick, I think, potentially in this coming draft. Uh, Clintman's going to be up there as well. They're both long. Saar's seven foot, made some huge plays for Perth. They put him in late in the game, made back-to-back threes. But even throughout the course of a game, you can see this kid's long and athletic, but just knows how to play. He's been taught basketball the right way. Positionally knows where to go, knows where to find his shot, happy to swing the ball. Um, and Clintman's the same. They both shoot a very good clip from three. So two names pro that I think you'll see on the draft boards as this season goes on, just climb higher and higher. And I think they've, they've been really impressive to this point. That's great, man. I mean, look, everything you look at with development with young kids is through the, you know, the G League, you know, Ignite program. I think that overtime elite sort of losing a little bit of its luster. So you might see the NBL, your, your development program as probably the second best. Well, probably the first because you could probably have more players develop. Although the G League is probably going to have the first and the second uh, pick in the draft next year on their on their roster. But I mean, I think the overtime sort of that luster is sort of falling off. They sort of changed their philosophy on their development. It used to be they're just paying these guys out the out the ass. And they lose their college eligibility now that now that they, they sort of restructure what they can do because they're not making the money back on their investment. So now they're making it where these guys are not really getting paid. They're getting paid through NIL deals where these guys could still go back to college. Um, so I think your your stars program, future stars program is, you know, obviously it's been legit, but I think it, it they're oh, gonna sort of and I would I I, I, yeah, I see it if I'm a scout. I take more from seeing these young next stars come and play in the NBL than I do from that G League shit. Like the G League's at times jungle ball and ugly. It's undisciplined basketball. Whereas this is like, you look at Flowers, a kid that d- committed to Louisville and decommitted and didn't tell his coach. And then the NBL announced he's coming to the next stars. He, yeah, he hasn't played yeah. much and he looks at it. He looks out of sorts with Adelaide. They're on four. He doesn't look like he's, he's there yet as a young fella. So there's right. guys that have come over that are struggling. And if I'm a scout, I'd rather see them in this forum than the G League because I think it, it really, you know, teams are picking up full court here. They're trying to turn you in the backcourt. They're trapping. There's a lot of funky stuff that happens in FIBA basketball. So I take a whole lot more weight as a scout. And that's why we had 40 scouts here for the NBL Blitz. I think they're starting to understand that. So it's good to see. And one final thing, a most most improved player. I'm a bit biased, but most improved player pick for the NBL, Jalen Galloway's getting it. He's, he's playing phenomenal basketball right now. Uh, his numbers have jumped up defensively. Um, he's been been really really good, and I think he's he's a, he's a slight chance to make that boomers squad. Not not the twelve. I don't know if he'll make that. He'll be in the mix, but I think he's in the mix mm. to make that initial squad leading into Paris. The way he, if he continues his form from these first three games, five steals last night. He's shooting the ball. It's early three games in, but he's shooting the ball at sixty odd percent from three. Gets on the rim, athletic. I think he's got a really good chance to continue to blossom, and I've really liked his improvement. I think he'll be the most improved player pro. And just finally, WNBL preseason tournament in Brisbane uh, this weekend. So if you're living in Brisbane or Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast or in that area, there's a preseason tournament there. Uh, four teams, Sydney, Sydney Flames, Townsville Fire, Perth Lynx, and Adelaide Lightning. It'll be at uh, the River City Re- – it's called the River City Rebound. It'll be at Northside Indoor Sports Centre at Zilmia. Zilmia? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Zilmia. Um, so check that out if you want to watch some women's hoops up here before before the season officially starts. Let's get a couple of fact or fake news out so we can let everyone go. We're, we're over time already, pro. We're trying to keep this to one hour twenty, but you took about thirty minutes to, to do the Milwaukee Bucks, man. So I'm blaming you. Wow. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> uh, fact or fake news? Uh, 
you'll see another team in the Eastern Conference Finals besides the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. Fact or fake news? At least one other team. Yeah, yeah, any other team but them, yeah. I think fake news. I think that they're going to make it. The outlier for me is the James Harden thing with Philly. Uh, So depending on where that goes, I could change that answer in about three months. Post-deadline, I could change that answer if he stays. But I think as as it lays now, I would say fake news. I think one of those two teams um, is getting through. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I just don't see any other team really competing with them like that unless there's an injury that happens. Yeah, even Philly. So, um, but Harden stays. You're right. Something could happen, but I, I do think that. Is there stay. another Miami run? Uh, anyone below them? No, I don't think so. I mean, um, Cleveland. I, like I said, I think they'll be a good regular season team. I don't think they'll do damage. I'm not worried about New York. Maybe Atlanta can make a, a surprise run out of nowhere with 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 Quinn. He can maybe surprise us. Maybe them. Maybe they're the Miami of last season where they surprise a few people in the playoffs. But there's no one of note right now. But hopefully there is because it was a fun ride for my. It was a fun ride watching Miami just <laughs> playing really undrafted, undrafted guys and just making the finals. It was. I think it was great for the league, and it was great for the Eastern Conference. So hopefully it wakes those two teams up in Milwaukee and Boston, and and they get through this time. No, I totally agree with that. All right, uh, second quickly. I think we talked about it, but let's talk about it again. Harden, James Harden, will stay on the Philly roster throughout the whole year. Fake news. I don't think he will just based on, I, I think it was pretty emotional messaging by Harden when he, when he put it out there um, and the wording that he used and you lied to me and distrust. And we know how NBA players feel when they feel like they've been lied to or hard done by. I don't think he's a guy that you can reel back. I, I think that um, I think there'll come a point where he could go back to causing some problems if things aren't going his way. Like if he's still on the roster by December, January, there's every chance that he tries to to, to to strategically do some shit to get his way out of there, right? Um, so I think they're kind of going to have to do something. Do they get something back? Like you said, that's the problem. I, I think they get minimal back, and teams know that, but teams are absorbing that big-ass salary, right? So um, I, I don't think he'll be on the roster. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could see them doing, Bogues, is going to Miami with something. Um, Miami's the only team besides the Clippers that could be like, all right, They'll probably throw in Lowry, you know, Duncan Robinson, and something else. The question is, do you really want to do that? Uh, that's probably the closest deal they're going to get. Culture I did the Clipper deal. Do they really do that, though? Heat culture really do that? Do you want James Harden in South Beach? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that you want culture and you'll throw it out the window in a second if you feel as though you have no chance of winning. And I, And again, I could be chastised and wrong for this, and I don't really care about right, wrong stuff, but I just don't – I think with what they lost, it's going to be really hard to really find that. Like, I thought Hero was perfect coming off the bench and scoring. You know, I, I, they don't have that guy. And maybe a trade deadline, you're like, fuck it. You know, Lowry's aging. You know, let's do it. Duncan Robinson this and maybe something else. I doubt it. the pressure's it. on harder, right? Like, so devil's advocate to South Beach stuff and arguing is myself, he's like – if he does go to Miami, it's kind of getting to the mellow point where if he fucks that up, like you're, yeah. we're, we're two from there. Like for, for James him and Harden, Kyrie, so maybe him and Kyrie, him and him and Kyrie are very similar in their deals right now. You know, look, they they're high level players that that's some of the top four or five players at their position. They could really help your team, but I think the hijinks that they've done in the past, a lot of teams are like, we don't even want to deal with the headache. You know, both of those guys, multiple teams. Um, 
yeah, they, they've had their issues, you know, and, and they're just, they're tough. And the teams that have them right now really need them because of the salary they make, the structure of their team really needing those guys to play really well, or a lot of shit's going to go wrong for a lot of different people if either one of those guys don't play well. The pressure is on him, but sometimes those guys don't care. Look, he's made a ton of money. He's already had his accolades, regardless of, you know, he could just wake up one day and just like that uh, that candy bar commercial, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. And that's that's the situation you got to take and the philosophy you take. You just don't know. So I don't know. I say he stays. I don't think there's going to be a really trade that comes. And I think they're just going to figure out, you know what? Let me just like play out the year, you know, do the best. We're on a little bit of a run because outside of them and those two teams up top, there's really not a lot of teams that could really challenge them, you know, if everybody's together in Philly. And I think that- I agree. They, at, at one point- That's what's crazy about say, it. You know what? That's what sucks about it. Yeah. That's what sucks about it. Because if yeah. James comes in with, all right, the more everything aside- I got a group here. Like we got a we got a squad that can, yeah. We can we can push. We can even push Boston and Milwaukee on the right in the right playoff series in the right run. But look, yeah, if he plays seeing. well, if he plays well, and and stays out of out of harm's way with getting in trouble, if he plays well there, and throughout the year helps them, and then he could say "fuck you, Philly." I'm just going to go wherever. But now there's going to be a couple of teams that be like, you know what? He played well last year. Wasn't a problem. I'm not giving him 36 million, but I'm giving him a decent contract mm. for two years or so because of this. That's where I want to be if I'm him. Maybe the Lakers, you know, if they get off some money or whatever, you know, next year or whatever, but let, let them play the whole year, and, you know, and figure things out. Ah, oh, fuck it. No, the Clippers, the Lakers are at 160 million uh, next year. I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen, but, um, you know, I, I, that's where I think he's at. So I think that, yeah. you know, I don't think there's going to be a trade for him, you know, then again, I don't care either way, but I, I think that's going to fall apart. The last thing, Bogues, is the Charlotte, uh, the Charlotte Hornets are going to win 20, uh, 20 games or more next year. Fact or fake news? Fake news, they're under 20, I think. Even though I had them not last, I just don't think they – I'm actually being talked into – from from your reviews, I'm, I might even have them closer to last than I had. I think they're on 13th out of 15. But they're, yeah, looking at their roster and, and all the shit they've got to deal with. They'll be fun to watch. They'll be one of the funner losing teams in the league. That's my prediction, but um, I'm going to go under under 20. I mean, 27 wins last year, Bogues, right? And they lose Ubre, you know, and they got, I don't know, it's just a team that couldn't Bridges shoot back. straight, right? And, yeah. and the shit they're dealing with. And the thing is, they got to play Brandon Miller. He's the second pick in the draft. They got to play him, and they got to play Nick Smith, their first-round pick off the bench. You know, they got to deal with that. The Miles Bridges, they didn't have last year. So maybe he plays and does well, whatever. They didn't really have him. So maybe they could do some stuff. But if I'm them, they got a, a bunch of guys got to come off your cap next year. Um, you know, and, or, you know, I don't know. I, I think that they're going to, the way they're going to be, I just think they're going to tank. They don't really have a chance at doing anything unless they come out of the gate well. I think they're going to start tanking. They're going to have to play their young guys. They got a ton, they got a, a bunch of shit they're dealing with. They're not very good. They got a really good coach, but I think that I, I think they go under twenty and they, they challenge for that number one pick. All right, we'll see. We'll see how wrong or right we are. Appreciate everyone. Thanks for all the good feedback, Pro. There's a lot of good feedback for having you on video, so we appreciate all that. A lot of good feedback for having us on video. 
Uh, we've got some new clips coming out. It's all gone gone good with the podcast. We appreciate everyone following it. Keep following us, subscribing, letting people know we're on YouTube, Rumble, kind of trying to get it out there everywhere. And we'll see you next week, bro. All right, folks. See you next week, brother.